I have two of my sons home this weekend. My son, who I dropped off at college about two weeks ago, he's home this weekend. So uh, I'm out of mourning, by the way. I was depressed for about two weeks. I actually went to Waterbury last week and spoke over there. And I actually preached a message called, Don't Drop God Off at School. <laughs> Just because he was on my heart all week. And, uh, but my second son is also here today, my son in the faith who was with us for many years as our New York City campus pastor. He's doing a great work in Orange, Texas. Him and his lovely wife, Jessica, and their beautiful family. We are so overjoyed to have them here this morning. He really needs no introduction around here. And so would you put your hands together for Pastor Chris Lewis. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house today. If you need a Bible, our ushers will get them to you. I still say our because this is still my church, my home church. Is that all right? Can I say our? Amen. I want to give credit to where credit is due this morning. I know Pastor Lisa's not in the room, but Pastor Frank, I love you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. And uh, you are my father in the faith. Um, my pastor always will be. And uh, thank you, Pastor Frank and Pastor Lisa. I salute you, and I love you. I want to say thank you to um, not just Pastor Frank and Lisa, but the whole church. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I was the New York City campus pastor. This has been my home church since I was 14 years old. And um, we moved to Texas about a year and a half ago. And in about seven months of being there, we experienced one of the worst things that has ever happened. And we, we were right in the middle of the flood. And uh, Houston kind of got all the publicity. Uh, we're about an hour and a half east of Houston. And we got about, uh, I, I couldn't even tell you how much rain we got. It just didn't stop. They said 75% of our county flooded, homes, businesses, everything. And, um, and so we, we were just kind of under devastation. And because of our connection with Faith Church and Pastor Frank, y'all have given so much to our church. And I just want to say thank you for everything that you've done, all the money that you've raised, everything that you've done in supporting us and gifts and, and all that. And then I want to give a special shout out to Impact and um, Doug and Ralph. Uh, if you don't know those guys, they're some of our, our leaders here at the church. And they came down and spent a week with us and ripping out stuff and putting stuff in and busting up tile and, and all that about six, about six weeks ago. Is that right? Six or seven weeks ago they came. And uh, so all the moms and dads who let your kids come to, to the Impact Missions trip to our church, thank you again. It was awesome. And I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. It was a time that I was kind of down and out. You know, sometimes pastors get down and out too. And just to have some people from home come in and refresh you, it just felt so good. And so thank you so much for doing that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And they say everything is bigger in Texas. And it's the truth because uh, everything is bigger in Texas. They got, they got bigger cows. They got bigger food. They got bigger plates. And, and, and my pulpit's bigger in Texas. So um, I'm preaching. Normally, I don't preach with my Bible up here, but I feel like I have to so that you guys got to get Pastor Frank a bigger pulpit because I can't put my Bible in my notes up here. It kind of hangs off. But Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start off in verse 19. So turn with me. Acts 16, verse 19. Or excuse me. Acts 16, verse 16. 
It says, once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul to the re- and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled or annoyed or irritated that he turned around and said to the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs in un, uh, that is unlawful for us Romans to accept and practice. This crowd, or excuse me, the crowd joined in in the attack against Paul and Silas. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them into the inner cell and fastened their feet into stocks. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and to the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prisoner doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. God, we ask that you would rule and reign in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way. God, I pray that we would walk out of this place different than the way we came in. God, I pray that our chains would fall off. God, that we would be free today, Father. Father, we thank you. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And all the saints said, amen. I need a different microphone. Frank knows this to be true because every time I preach, I mess up the microphones all the time. Me and Pastor Ryan were joking last night. We must have went through like four different microphone uh, handoffs last night. But, but praise the Lord. You know what, church, how many believe that God wants to do something this morning? Raise your hand. God wants to do something. I didn't travel a thousand miles to come here just to hang out with Pastor, even though I would do that anytime he would ask me to come. I came to deliver a word for you, a word that's in season, that's for you, that's for right now. I didn't come just to play church. I didn't come just to have a good little meeting. I didn't come just to raise our hands and to walk out and to have lunch. That's not why I came. I came to deliver a word. So what I need you to do is I need some crowd participation this morning, and I need your faith level to be high. For everybody that's watching right now, I need you to get excited. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles, and I need you to expect God to do something today. Amen? Amen. I believe by the end of service, y'all are going to be set free, that chains are going to fall off in Jesus' name. So here's Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas, they're traveling. They're on their way to do something. They're on their way to do something great for God. And they get sidetracked. They get side-railed. Have you ever been sidetracked before? Have you ever had to go down a detour that you didn't, weren't expecting to go down? Maybe you're, you're on your way to get groceries. You're on your way to, to, to pick up the dry cleaning. And all of a sudden, you see detour signs, and you've got to go this way. And then you've got to go up a hill and down the hill. And you've, and you've got to go left and to the right. You've got to, all of a sudden, it's been 30 minutes. And you spent so much time going in a direction and in a way that you weren't expecting to go in. And that's what happens with Paul here. There's four guys. There's Luke, there's Timothy, there's 
Silas and they're Paul, and they're all traveling together doing something for God. And they're preaching, and all of a sudden this girl, this little girl who's a fortune teller, she's demon-possessed, she keeps nagging and nagging and nagging. Have you ever heard nagging kids before, maybe in a car? They're just nagging and nagging and nagging all the time. Mom, they touched me. Mom, they did this. They took my game. Blah, 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 right? And all of a sudden, you're like the Apostle Paul. You see, the Apostle Paul didn't have his coffee yet. You see, that's, you know what Jesus juice is? It's coffee. You become more anointed. You become a better person. You become calmer with coffee. And so, and so the, uh, the Apostle Paul didn't have his coffee yet. And so he turns around annoyed. And he says, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And this miracle happens on their way to do something great for God. And what ends up happening is everybody is ticked off at Paul. Why are they ticked off at Paul? Because two things happen. One, the owners of this little girl can no longer make money. They no longer have the ability to use this little slave girl to make money. And so now they're frustrated. And they go to the magistrates, to the leaders of the day, to the officers, and they say, this guy just disrupted our way of living. This girl just got set free. This girl just got delivered, and they're mad that she got delivered. Why? Because they wanted to keep this girl in bondage. The enemy wants to keep you in bondage, and God wants to set you free this morning. And so what happens, the magistrates come and they arrest Paul. And you know what they say? They say that you're Jews, you're not Roman citizens, and you've uprooted our customs and the way that we do things. You see, we as a church, sometimes as a church culture, not necessarily faith church, but as a church, we've got a way of doing things, don't we? Have you ever been to a foreign country before? Maybe you've been to England and all of a sudden the English people, they recognize that you're an American citizen. Why? Because you've got different ways of doing things. You've got your own culture. And in America, there's different kinds of culture. You've got Northeast culture. And then inside Northeast culture, you've got New York City culture. You've got Boston culture. You've got Connecticut culture. You've got West Coast culture versus East Side culture. And in Texas, you've got, Texas is the biggest place. Everything in Texas is different. And inside Texas, Texas is so big that you you can drive. I drove from one side of the state to the other side of the state in seven hours about two weeks ago, and I didn't. I was I was always in the same state. It's crazy. It's huge, and like and like the climate changed. It went from hot and humid to just dry and hot, and then you go a little bit northern. And it's it's cooler, and so everything has a different kind of culture. And then in Southeast Texas, where we're at, it's very Cajuny. I would never have thought that Texas would be Cajun-y, but where we live is right on the cusp of Louisiana. And so they got, they got Cajun food and fried gator tails and like boudin. Anybody ever heard of boudin before? I mean, like, okay, you've heard of boudin. I never heard of it. They got these things called kolaches. I've never heard of a kolache until I moved to Southeast Texas. People have been asking me, Pastor, what you've been doing since you've been here? And the food is different. I've been getting pizza and pasta, and, and, and I, went to, I went to Bagel Man the other day, and the Holy Ghost fell because I got the classic. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The, the, the bagel and the lox and cream cheese. I mean, I just about had a move of God right up in Bagel Man. It was so good. But culture is different everywhere you go. 
Even in church culture, you go to a different culture, church is different in India. If you're in India right now, we'd be, we'd be doing something a little different. And what we've done in America is we've established a church culture where we have our three songs, our four songs. We, we have a preaching, we have an altar call, and some of us would be okay if we didn't have an altar call. And this is what we need to do, is we need to get rid of our church culture and our church culture mindset because sometimes God wants to do something and we're so stuck where we are, God can't move. Imagine a pastor Frank got rid of all these chairs and said, hey, next week we're having a four-hour prayer service. He'd have 35 different letters on his desk saying, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. But listen, when the Holy Ghost moves and God wants to move, you've got to get rid of culture. And that's exactly what happened with the Apostle Paul and Silas. They're getting rid of culture at this moment. They see a girl who's in need, they cast a demon out, and then they get demonized for doing it. They get ripped to shreds. They get beaten to an inch of their life and they get thrown into jail because they went against the custom of the day. Sometimes as Christians and as believers, we've got to get rid of our customs and we've got to go after God with everything we have. Forget customs, forget culture. We've got to go with where God wants us to go. And so here's the apostle Paul and here's Silas and they could have used their conditions to let them to get depressed. Here they are, going to do something great for God, going to go preach the gospel. And all of a sudden, they see a girl who's demon-possessed. They give her freedom. They get thrown into jail. Man, what a bad day. They could have let their conditions dictate their perspective. And so this morning, I want to give you a message that's going to set you free. The title of my message is, Everybody Needs a Monkey. Turn to your neighbor and say, Everybody Needs a Monkey. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, everybody needs a monkey. You need a monkey. Because number one is this, is your perspective is not a product of your conditions, but your connections. You see, their perspective didn't come from what just happened. They could have allowed what just happened to them to get them down, to get them depressed. But see, your perspective comes from your connections, who you're connected to, and not what is happening to you, not your conditions. Can I just tell you a little bit of a story? A little bit of a story is this, is about a year ago, a year ago last Monday, I got to experience one of the worst things of my life. The rain started to come. The things started to happen in in Houston and Southeast Texas. And it just kept raining and raining and raining and raining and raining. And it got to the point where I didn't know what to do. You give me three feet of snow, I'm used to that. You give me three feet of water, I have no idea what to do with it. And so the rain started to come. And I, I started to get a little nervous. We left the office that day. It was the day before school started last year. It was August 27th. And, and the rain started coming, and it was raining so hard. Even the rain is bigger in Texas. I mean, it's just crazy. And so it just started raining, and pour, like the raindrops are like huge. And, and, and I looked out in our church parking lot, and I was thinking, man, you know, this is absolutely crazy. And so we left, and we went home. And when we got home, the water was so high, it was up to the bottom of my mailbox, I couldn't get past it. And I got a truck. I'm thinking, you know, you got to have a truck. If you go to Texas, you got to have a truck. And I got me a big truck, big truck with big tires. And, and I, I, my, my truck wouldn't even pass. And so we got out of the car and we, we walked knee deep, thigh deep into this water. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get bit by a snake. Alligators are going to come chomp on me. I've only lived here seven months. I don't know what's in these waters, snakes, you know, vipers, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we get into the house and it's, it's a couple feet from our house, from our front door. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be okay. We're going to be safe. And a few hours later, maybe an hour later, 
the water started to get almost into the garage. And I'm thinking, we got to go. So I looked at my wife. I said, babe, grab the dog, grab the kids. You know, let's go. Let's get out of here. And in that whole time, you know who the, one of the first persons I called was? Pastor Frank. I said, Pastor, I need you to pray. And he goes, he goes all right, let's pray. And so he starts praying. And, and you know, you, the thing is, you've got to be connected to the right people. See, your conditions can dictate to you. But if you've got the right perspective, when you have the right connections, it changes everything. It changes your outlook on life. It changes how you view things. It changes how you respond. It changes how you act. And we start driving, and I'm thinking, babe, it's going to be okay. And it took us about a week and a half before we can get home and and take a look at our house. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. But your perspective is not a product of your conditions, but your connections. Hebrews 11.1 says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we do what we do not see. Faith is the substance of things that we hope for that we don't see. I don't see it just yet, but I know it's going to happen. We need to ask God to help change our perspective. Paul and Silas could have looked at their conditions and said, you know what? It's never going to change. We're in this pit. We're in this prison. We're never going to be able to get set free. We're never going to do what we thought we were going to do before. You see, your perspective is the most powerful thing you have to fight against negativity. It's the most powerful thing that you have. How do you view it? How do you see it? Because if you see the cup half full, it's half full. But if you see the cup half empty, it's always half empty. Where are you in your life? Are you positive or are you negative? Your perspective is the most powerful thing you have to fight against negativity. You see, you need to invest in your perspective and looking at it from a different angle. Number two is this. Your perspective becomes either your prison or your passport. Your perspective will either be your prison or your passport. If I was standing at the bank of a river and I wanted to get to the other side and all I saw to the left of me and all I saw was this view and this angle and all I saw was a stone wall thinking there's no way that I can get to the other side but I know I gotta get to the other side but if I would just change in this direction and I saw the bridge going from this side to that side I could see how to get to the other side. You see, it's all about your perspective. How do you view it? You've gotta look at it from a different angle. Your perspective can either be your prison or your passport to get to the other side. And so the storm started to come at our house and we left and we drove to Louisiana and we stayed in a hotel for like a week. And I felt really bad because we had all these people that were calling us and asking for help and we couldn't help. I didn't have a boat. And, and people were coming from, the, from different areas, bringing boats, getting people out. We had one husband and wife couple that came to our church, an elderly couple. I felt so bad. They called me and said, Pastor, the water's into our house. It's a couple feet high. And I said, call the police. They said they, we tried to call the police and we, we couldn't get them to come. I called some friends that have some boats and they couldn't get there. Three days they were in their house. The water came up almost to the second floor. An elderly couple, I would call them every couple of days and, and they would say, Pastor, I've got I've to hang up because we have no power at the house. We've got to keep our cell phone on. A couple days later, they finally get rescued out of the window of their second floor. That's how high the waters had come. This was right across the street from our church. 
The water came in so big into our church. Our, our sanctuary is very much like, like faith sanctuary, is that it slopes down. We had over three feet of water on top of our stage. Everything was ruined. Textbooks, we've got a K through 12 school. Textbooks was ruined. Carpet had to be ripped out. Drywall had to be ripped out. Huge, huge facility, very similar to faith church. And, and I started to think, Okay, God, how are you going to take care of this? God, how are you going to fix this problem? Because this is a serious deal. God, I don't know how to fix it. We don't have insurance. And here's the thing. We, we, about two years before we got rid of, or two years before I got to the church, we'd got rid of our insurance. And if we had insurance, we would have only gotten $500,000 for our contents and $500,000 for our building. Now, you may think that's a lot of money. But in a building this size, it's really not a lot of money when you've got to replace everything. And so we started to think, we started to pray about what we're going to do. And someone said, hey, pastor, you know that, that FEMA helps out schools. And I'm thinking, yeah, it does help out a school. And then I thought for a second, guess what? We've got a school. And so we went to FEMA and we started the process. And at the beginning, they were going to give us a little bit of money and they were only going to replace a few things. But just the other day, last week, my last conversation with FEMA is that they're going to give us $5 million to fix everything in the building. I'm talking kitchen equipment. I'm talking drywall. I'm talking carpet. I'm talking the whole thing. We're about to walk into a brand new building. Now, we haven't seen the money yet, so keep praying that the money comes. But listen, it's coming in Jesus' name. You see, what's your perspective? People would come to me all the time, Pastor, how are we going to do this? You've got a great vision for our church, but, but now we're flooded, and we don't have this, and we don't have, we don't have TVs, and we don't have microphones, and we don't have all these things. And I'm thinking, if you would just change your perspective, if you would know who you're connected to, if you would know that the God of the universe is still the God in Texas, that the God in Texas is still the same God that rules and reigns over America. You see, we are connected to a great big God. Your perspective becomes either your prison or your passport. You see, your perspective will either keep you stuck in prison or it will transport you to a greater sense of understanding. I started to think about this. I started to think about all these things that the enemy has tried to do, and I believe that this was a straight-up attack from Satan, this storm that he brought to us. But I believe also that there's no advancement without an attack. Let me say that again. There's no advancement without an attack. God wants to use each and every person in this room. The attack isn't coming from God. The attack is coming from the enemy because the enemy knows that God wants to use you. And then if God can get to you and change your mindset to let you know that you're unstoppable, you become unstoppable. And the enemy wants to stop you. He wants to stop you dead in his tracks. And that's what he tries to do to Paul and Silas. He, 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 he beats them. They, the prisoners, they beat him. They chain him up and shackle them in this prison to the place to where they can't praise any longer, to where they can't lift up their hands any longer, to where they can't shout any longer. The devil thought that he had Paul and Silas beaten. But let's move on for just, a, for just for sake of time. You see, we've got to change our perspective. Number three is that we need to stop focusing on where we're bound and start focusing on where you're free. We try to praise with things that are bound. And you being bound sometimes might be your fault, 
It might be because you caused it, but sometimes it might just be the enemy trying to stop you. And in this case, in Paul and Silas, they didn't do anything wrong. As a matter of fact, they did something right. They did something godly, and they got bound up anyways. And they took this opportunity not to praise where they're bound because they couldn't get up. They couldn't dance. They couldn't do the the Holy Ghost jig. They couldn't do that. But what they could do, is that they, they could raise up their hand. They could lift up their voice. Y'all remember Hulk Hogan? Back in the day, WWF, before it was WWE, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, he was like the best wrestler. Hogan would be down on the ground. Andre the Giant would be on top of him. This 750-pound man. I don't really know. I just made up a number. And so did you know that most statistics are made up on the spot? So anyways, and so here's this guy. He's on top of Hulk Hogan, and he's got him down. One. Two, and then all of a sudden you see that hand raise up. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? The hand, boom. We all know it's fake anyways. But his hand would shoot up, and all the little boys would be like, woo! Hogan's still alive, baby. You see, he couldn't praise with his legs. He couldn't, he couldn't get up with his waist, but he got that arm up, that shoulder up. You see, sometimes you've got to praise where you're set free. You can't praise where you're bound. You've got to praise with what you got. Man, I I may not be able to give, but I can shout. I may not be able to, to give, but I can serve. I may not be able to dance, but I can wave my hand. I may not be able to sing, but man, I can stand out there and be a greeter. You got to praise where you're free. You see, blessing isn't a state of affairs. It's a state of mind. It's not a state of where you are. See, this is what we think. We think where we are is who we are. Where we are is not who we are. Who you are is who God is. You see, what has God done for you? Where does God want to take you? Where you are is not who you are. I can't give, but I can shout. Here's Timothy, Luke, and Paul. And they're, and they're, they're traveling together. And have you ever wondered why, at least I do, why Luke and Timothy didn't get bound up, why they didn't get arrested, why they didn't get in trouble. Here's the reason why. Luke's sitting there scribing, and, 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 and Timothy, he's just sitting there helping out. The two guys that were doing the work, they're the ones that got in trouble. Why? Because the enemy wants to stop the ones that are doing something great for God. And so here's Paul and Silas. They, they free a little demon-possessed girl. They tell people the way it is to be saved. You see, you have to have the fire of purpose. You've got to have the fire of purpose in your life. And when you have the fire of purpose, sometimes it's going to have, some, have the heat of persecution in your life. But when you have that fire of purpose... You can't stop. You won't quit. Sometimes it might potentially expand your pain. But when you have purpose, you're willing to fight past the pain. You see, the enemy stands up and he, he tries to imprison us in our minds and in our thoughts. The enemy has a strategy to keep you in a poor perspective. The enemy, he wants to keep you focused on where you're bound. You see, that's what the jailer wants to do. He wants to keep you bound. The jailer is there to keep you in your chains so that you can't praise. Can I ask you a question? When did the chains break off? Anybody know? When did the chains break off? The chains broke off when the earthquake happened. When did the earthquake happen? When they started to pray and praise. Sometimes you got to make your own earthquake. 
Sometimes you got to make your own earthquake. You got to praise when nobody else wants to praise. When everybody else is trying to sleep, when everybody else wants to be quiet, you've got to stand up and you've got to make your own place of praise. You see, are you going to let your chains break you or are you going to let your praise break your chains? You see, you got to decide right now, is my chains going to keep me from meeting my God? Are are these chains going to keep me from praising my God? Are these chains going to keep me from freedom or is it my praise? my earthquake going to cause these chains to fall off. You've got to make your own earthquake. I read this story, and please don't get mad at me when I share this story with you because it's a story that I read. I didn't do this. It's the story of two monkeys. Turn to your neighbor and say, everybody needs a monkey. Everybody needs a monkey. And so there's this story of these, these scientists and what they want to do is they want to do the study on serotonin levels in these monkeys. And so they take this one monkey and they put him in a cage. And what they do is they, all the scientists, all the doctors, they get around this cage and they start to shake the cage that the monkey's in. The monkey starts to get a little bit annoyed. Then what they do is they, they put on an alarm lights are flashing all over the place. Then the scientists, they start to scream and shout at this monkey. And the monkey's starting to get scared. It's starting to get timid. You see it. It starts to, to crawl into a little, a little bit of a ball. Then they stop the science experiment. They, they take a test on the serotonin levels, and they're completely low to the place where the monkey can't perform and operate correctly. Why? Because it's living in fear. Then what they do a few hours later is they get the second monkey and they put them in the same cage together. They do the very same experiment to where they start to rattle the cage. Has your cage ever been rattled before? Has anybody ever yelled at you before? Have you ever just kind of been, been off just a little bit because, be off your game because somebody's annoying you, right? See, when somebody's annoying you, you just turn around and you say, in the name of Jesus, come out, right? Now don't do it to your wife or your husband. It's not a good thing. And so they, they take these monkeys, they put them in the cage, and they shake the cage. They rattle the cage. They start yelling at the monkeys. The alarm goes off. The lights are flashing all over the place. They stop the experiment. They take the serotonin levels of these two monkeys. And guess what? They're almost exactly normal. Why? Because the one monkey helped out the other monkey. There was a connection. You see, who are you connected to? Your connection is so much bigger than your circumstance. It's so much bigger than what's happening around you. Who are you connected to? And so I started to think about the story of Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas, they're in this prison. And in this prison, they say that this is probably, some scholars believe that this was a three-tiered prison in the ground. And Paul and Silas are in the middle, in the deepest part of the prison. And when we read this, the jailer put them together. That was the problem. Is that the jailer didn't realize that there's power in connection. And so I'm going to act out for just a second. You got Paul and Silas. You got Paul and Silas, and, and I think Silas is a little bit grumpy. Not Silas, I mean, I mean, I mean Paul. Paul's a little bit grumpy. He's kind of straightforward. He's kind of, he tells it like it is, and, and he didn't have his Jesus juice in his coffee. And so they're in prison. 
and they're, they're chained up together. I'm going I'm to I'm lay down, pretend I'm sleeping. This is Paul over here. Say hi to Paul, everybody, Paul. And they're chained up together. And all of a sudden, Silas starts to sing. There is power in the name of Jesus. Let me go over here. Let me be Paul for a second. Let me come over here. Get my exercise in. Everybody's been asking me, how have you lost weight? This is how I've lost weight. I keep doing this kind of stuff. And Paul, Paul's grumpy. Silas, shut up. Shut up, man. Don't you know I'm trying to sleep? You ever been to camp and a person, a kid, they're always talking? Shut up, dude. You're at the movie and somebody's talking about the movie. Oh, you got to watch this part. Shut up. I wonder why I came. I paid 10 bucks to watch this, not to hear you talk. Paul's, he's grumpy. Don't you know we just got beat to an inch of our lives? Don't you know I'm about to bleed to death over here? Don't you know I was trying to do something for God? And Silas, he's like, he's like, Paul, Paul, you don't understand. There's power in the name of Jesus. And, and Silas starts to sing again. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Paul, yeah, I know God can break every chain, but, but don't you understand? I'm trying to do something good for God. I'm trying to, I'm trying to live my life and, and help people get free. And all I do is get beat and get beat and get ridiculed. I'm tired of this. <laughs> to break every chain, break every chain. And then, and then Paul starts to get it. He starts to sing with him. Break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. My wife tells me not to sing, so I won't sing anymore. But there's power. There's power in the name of Jesus and there's power in being connected with somebody. You see, who are you connected to? Are you going to let your chains break your praise or are you going to let your praise break your chains? I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you've got some chains around you, around your feet. Maybe you've got some chains around your ankles. Maybe you've, you've gone through some heartache. You've gone through some loss. You've gone through some pain. You've gone through some stuff that, that you wish you didn't have to face. And your perspective has to change. You can't look at it by your circumstance. You've got to look at it by who you're connected to. I'm not saying this because he's in the room. I'm saying this because he's my pastor. I've gone through hell the past year and a half. And he's been there every time I've called him and asked him to pray for me. My wife, some other friends that I have. Who are you connected to? Because sometimes you just need a friend who's right there with you. That's going to lock arms with you. That's going to be there with you. Why? Because you may not be may not be able to praise by yourself. You need somebody to praise with you. And so I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are in your life right now. But God wants to break some chains this morning. God wants to give you freedom this morning. Point number five, real quick, is that when faith connects with faith, praise connects with praise. When faith connects with faith, praise connects with praise. 
We're going to praise here in just a second. We're going to praise here in just a second, Atlanta. We're going to praise here in just a second, New York City. We're going to praise here in just a second, Waterbury. We're going to praise. Why? Because when we make our own earthquake, those chains start to fall. So could y'all stand to your feet? Service isn't over yet, Atlanta. Pastor Joseph, you'd like to come and talk to your people. But we're going to praise. Why? Because you need freedom this morning. Maybe you've got some addictions in your life that God wants to cancel right now, that God wants to break those things right now. Maybe you've got a son or a daughter that needs Jesus. Those chains are going to fall right now. Maybe you've got a marriage that's on the rocks. Those chains are going to fall right now. That's why I've asked the worship team to come and they're going to sing. And as they sing, if you've got some chains that need to be broken and you need to create your own earthquake to here this morning, I want you to get down. I don't want you to come down and think, oh man, this is just going to be a normal church service. No. If you've got some chains that need to be broken, you get down here right now and you create your own earthquake as we sing this next song. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power. there when we read the scriptures those that came down got some chains that are going to be breaking 
I believe that some more chains are going to break off here in just a few moments. But when we look at this story, we read this story and we see the chains had fallen off Paul and Silas. And we get excited about that because the chains fell off of us and now we're free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But that's not what the story really says. The story says it not just affected Paul and Silas, but it affected every prisoner. Check this out. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and you and your household. I want to stop right there. We ain't done, but I'm going to stop there for just a second. You see, the chains fell off all the prisoners. And we praise and we, we make our earthquake and we think our earthquake and our praise is just for us, but it's not. You see, you might be in a jail cell right now. You might be bound up right now, but your freedom, your praise is not just for you. It's for everybody because God wants to set people free. So we're going to praise here in just a moment. We're going to keep praising. And your praise is not just for you and your condition, but your praise is for New Milford. Your praise is for Waterbury. Your praise is for New York City. Your praise is for Atlanta. Your praise is for America. You see, when we praise, chains fall off. The prison doors swing open. But it doesn't stop there. You ready? The jailer. The jailer. The very one who was called to make sure that Paul and Silas were imprisoned was about to kill himself. And all of a sudden, Paul says, don't do it. Don't kill yourself. The jailer goes, what must I do to be saved? And Paul speaks to him and says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your family will be saved. You see, we don't just praise for ourselves. We praise for those that don't even know Jesus. We praise for those that are far away from him. You see, when we praise, chains fall off. Prison doors are swung wide open. People get saved. You see, your praise ain't just about you. You gotta make an earthquake. And when an earthquake happens, things start to come alive. So we're gonna praise. We're gonna praise one more time here in just a second. But I ain't done. Y'all ready for more? I'm glad you said yes. Verse 34, the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Well, I missed a part. I missed a very, very, very important part. Where'd it go? Verse 32, sorry about this. 
Verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Then the jailer was full of joy. Y'all ready for this? Y'all need to get this in your spirit. Y'all need to get this in your heart this morning. That that thing that imprisoned you, that that jailer that tried to keep you down, that that thing that changed you up and said you can't move from this spot is now going to be the very same thing that brings healing in your life. The jailer locked Paul and Silas up and said, don't move. You're a slave. You're a prisoner. Just a few hours later, he's the same jailer that's bringing healing and food and water and bandages to Paul and Silas. God is about to change your situation around. God is about to turn it around for your good. We all know Romans 8, 28, that God works those things to the good of those that love him. God wants to change those things around. He wants to switch it around. But you can't wait for somebody else to create the earthquake. You've got to praise. One last thing. This I'm telling you, when you read the Bible, it comes so alive. It's so awesome. The best book that's ever been written. Check this out. A few more verses. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, Paul's a smart cookie. He's no dumb. He wasn't born yesterday. Paul says, they beat us publicly without a trial. Even though we are Roman citizens. And threw us into prison. And now they want to get rid of us quietly. No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they had heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escort them uh, from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house. And they met with their brothers and encouraged them as they left. Can I tell you something? They wrongly imprisoned Paul and Silas. They thought Paul and Silas were just these lowly Jews, these, these crazy Jews. But here they are, Roman citizens, citizens of the town that they got arrested in. You see, you've been wrongly accused of something because sometimes we don't know who we are. You see, you are a child of God. That means that you have the inheritance of God. Don't you know and realize that you're the king's king? Kid, you better tell the enemy when he tries to imprison you wrongfully, don't you know who I am? So we're going to praise for four more minutes. Can y'all give me four minutes? We're going to praise. Maybe some of you that didn't come down, you need to come down. You need to dance around. You need to jump. You need to do semi-circles. I don't know what you need to do, but you got to praise. You gotta, you're in bondage right now, and you need freedom. You've got to create your own earthquake. You don't wait for it to happen. Well, I can't shout. You can dance. I, I can't raise.
can shout. God wants to bring freedom in your house right now. God wants to bring freedom in your city right now. Don't you know who you are? Let's praise for just a few more minutes, Pastor Ryan. This is how I find my battles. 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 This is how I find my to you're connected to the greatest source and the greatest power in the universe Jesus Christ we don't fight our battles by slandering people we don't fight our battles in our own intelligence we fight our battles by praising God and giving him the glory and giving him the praise so no matter what you're facing today When you start to praise and create your own earthquake, your chains will fall off. Don't try to praise where you're bound. Praise where you're free. And those chains will fall in Jesus' name. 
I want to go ahead and close our service this morning. It's been so good to be with you. Could you just thank you? Could you, could you keep me in prayer and keep our church in prayer? We got a lot of stuff we still got to go through, but, but I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that chains fall. I want to pray that your relationship with God is strong. Could you bow your heads with me this morning? Close your eyes in a sign of reverence. Father, I ask that these chains would fall in Jesus' name. God, that we would praise you in the midst of chaos, that we would praise you, that our perspective would come from our connections and not our circumstances. God, that we would break the chains through praise, and the chains won't break our praise. God, I ask that you'd be with your people this morning, that you would encourage them. If you're here, maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never made that connection to God before. Maybe you want to reconnect to God. You've walked away from him. If that's you and you want to reconnect to God, you want Jesus to be the center point of your life, you need grace and forgiveness from Jesus, from God himself. If that's you and you're ready to connect and make Jesus the Lord of your life, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand in a sign of surrender and say, that's me. One, two, three. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, that Jesus died on the cross and on the third day, he rose again and came back to life that he would be our Lord and our Savior. So church, we're gonna say a prayer all together. Is that okay? Say this with me. Jesus, thank you for taking my place. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Be my God and my King. Holy Spirit, baptize me. Fill me up. Abba Father, thank you. Thank you for loving me unconditionally. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, could you give God a big round of applause? He's a great God. He's a big God. If you said that prayer, God, can you give me 30 more seconds? Yeah, all right. If you said that prayer for the very first time, what I want you to do is I want you to flag an usher down, and they're going to, is that how we still do it here? No? It's been a long time. Oh, we go to the VIP now. So go out to the VIP if you said that prayer. And I want you to connect with somebody and they're going to give you some information on how to get connected in the church and how to fall in love with Jesus more. Amen. God bless you. Give it up for Pastor Ryan. Was it a blessing to have Pastor Chris back with us? What a word, huh? What a word. If you guys could just remain in your seats for one minute, we just want to take an offering to bless Pastor Chris. It's our custom. We always want to bless someone who comes and ministers and, and feeds us in this house. So we're just going to, if the ushers can come forward, uh, if you guys are going to make checks, you can make them out to uh, Faith Church uh, and just put in the memo Chris Lewis, and we'll know that goes to him and, or on the app. Uh, just designate that for him as well. Um, and we're just going to keep worshiping after the ushers are done. If you could wait till they're done to leave just for our logistical purposes, and uh, then we'll, I'll dismiss you when we're, when we're done with the offering. All right, let's go ahead and uh, take the offering. Father, we pray that you... Uh, bless this offering and just bless Pastor Chris and his ministry and all that you're doing through him in Texas, Lord, in Jesus' name.
Stop by our VIP area right through those double doors in the back. God bless you guys.